All right, we are back to podcast. I hope you've had a good week. Um, we are going to First Samuel chapter number thirty. First Samuel chapter thirty, winding down First Samuel. It's been a journey. It's been a long journey. Um, we've been in it for quite some time, actually. I remember. Gosh, I hadn't looked at the date really, but I remember it being warm weather and. Uh, I remember Samuel hadn't been saved very long, and he uh, he messaged me one day and talked about how funny it was to hear his name over and over and over and over again in podcasts because I kept saying Samuel. So we've been it's been a journey in First Samuel, and because of that, that's why I want to take a little break and move to First Corinthians uh, next. So we're gonna wanna deal with First Samuel. And then we're going to move on to 1 Corinthians. Then we'll come back to 2 Samuel. And I'll kind of give you a briefer and a review and uh, get into 2 Samuel. Then we'll go back to 2 Corinthians. So over the next probably, it'll probably take six months, maybe eight months at least, maybe longer to cover uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Samuel, and then 2 Corinthians. May even be around a year. We'll see. But um, 1 Samuel chapter number 30, 1 Samuel chapter 30, the last time God had spared David from having to fight against the nation of Israel uh, through his providence. Well, in this one, David is, is on the war path again. He is avenging this, the destruction of Ziklag. And so let's, let's look. Uh, you'll read about Ziklag, and matter of fact, let's read First Samuel twenty-seven five through six. First Samuel twenty-seven five through six. David said unto Achish, If I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. <clears throat> so this is this is David speaking to the Philistine Achish. He's saying, Look, I found grace in your eyes. Will you give me some place in the town or country that I can live and basically let, let give me a place to live for me and my men? So this is when David first started living there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Then Achish gave him Ziglag that day, wherefore Ziglag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. So that's how Ziklag become into Judah's hands, was Achish give it to David. And, and the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. So that's how David wound up in Ziglag. It was an alliance with he and the Philistines uh, because he was fleeing from Saul and he needed a place for he and his men to stay. So it came to pass, chapter 30, verse 1, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men have been away. You remember they were going to go to battle. They were spared from going to battle uh, against Israel. So they come back to Ziklag. When they come back to Ziklag, uh, you find that the Amalekites, so you've got, it's almost like World War II where you had wars on every front. You know, they had to worry about Southeast Asia. They had to worry about Europe. 
and uh, and then Japan. So basically, World War Three was fought on three fronts. The same here, David and his men have you know they've been away. They thought they were going to have to fight against Israel with the Philistines. Thankfully, that didn't happen in the last chapter. So now they come back home. They come back to Ziklag. As they come to Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites have overtaken the city. They've burned it with fire, and they have taken the women and the children. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. They come in, and you think about this. They've been away. The men have been on their business. They have been uh, war, you know, potentially having to go to war against the, their own nation. God spares them. They come back, and when they come back, their entire city's burnt with fire. Not only that, their their women and their children are gone. I want you to imagine that. Being away from Kannapolis or being away from wherever you live to do business, to work, or what have you, you come back and the entire city is burnt to the ground. And your wife and your, your children are gone and have been taken captive. And the Bible says that David and his men lifted up their voice to weep till they had no more voice left in them. So then we come to uh, verse number 5. And David's two wives were taken captives, the Henanom, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. So we talked about David's two wives a couple of chapters earlier. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. So they, they want to stone him. You know, they're saying, you're the one that brought all these problems on. Here you are a Jew from Judah. Here you are from... Uh, Bethlehem, here you are from um, from the nation of Israel living with us. You're the one that brought this about on us. So the people are actually considered stoning him. They're, they're, they're considered turning on him. And the Bible says here, it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. This is the title of my lesson. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. So let's imagine this scene. David and the men are gone. David and the men are away on business. They're fighting. They're working. They're laboring for their means, for their money. And... They come home and the entire city's burnt down. The women and children are gone. Everybody's weeping, everybody's crying, and then all of a sudden a, a stir arises. Let's stone him. It's his fault. That's why we're having to suffer this. That's why the fate that we're, we're seeing has occurred. And the Bible says that it, they were all greatly distressed Look with me, but uh, every man for his sons and for his daughters. I like this. This is the title of my lesson. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. 
I'm teaching on David encouraged himself. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. You know, there's times when no matter what I say, I can't encourage you. I think of Kevin Beam again. Kevin is a great encourager. He's a great exhorter. There's going to be times when Kevin Beam can't encourage you. There's going to be times when Farron can't encourage you. There's going to be times when your children or your best friend can't encourage you. David had no one. His wives are gone. His children are gone. No one's around. The people are thinking of turning on him and stoning him. He's weeping. But the Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David has a strong enough personal relationship with God that in the most difficult time he's had in his life in quite some time, he is able to encourage himself. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And there's going to be those times when there's no one around to encourage us. No one's answering the phone. No one's picking it up. No one's responding. No one's there. No one's around. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I can't tell you how many times I've had to do that in my own life. There was no one around. The revival calls quit. The preacher friends were gone. Church friends were gone. But the David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, the only way you're going to be able to do that is to have a relationship and be and to walk with him and have real fellowship with God. But if you do, you'll be able to find encouragement along the way in the Lord your God. Very, very, very strong verses. Now, let's see what happens. Let's see the result of that. Verse number seven. And David said that, said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. You remember the ephod is how they hear from God. The ephod is what they use to hear from heaven with. So he says here, bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered them, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So here's an interesting note. Do you remember the last time Saul had the ephod? He couldn't hear from God. Didn't hear a word from God. He couldn't get a response from God. David gets the ephod, and he hears right from God. He says, I'm going to give you everything back. You're going to overtake them. I want you to go do it. So David, verse 9, so David went, he and 600 men that were with him and came to the brook Besor, where these that were left behind stayed. And David pursued he and 400 men for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. He did what? 
There's God again. There's God. He found an Egyptian in the field. He found an Egyptian in the field. How did you just find an Egyptian in the field? Unless it's God. An Egyptian. Hold on though. Hold on. Egypt is a picture of the world. This man don't know God. This don't, man don't know the God that David knows. But David has encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And when he does, he allows his path to cross with the right person. There just happens to be an Egyptian in the field. And they gave him bread and he did eat. And they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake and figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk water three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. Who, who burned the city? The Amalekites. Now hang on. And my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. I gone fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the, the coast which belonged to Judah and upon the south of Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. Now that's enough right there to get him killed. He's just telling David we had a part. I had a part in that. Now hold on though. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to the company. Oh, oh, time out. Do you see what just happened there? David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And when he did, they arise up. When they arise up, they approach this Egyptian in the field. He's about half dead. They give him bread. They give him water. They give him raisins. They nourish him a little bit, bring him back to life. Start speaking to him. What are you doing here? He tells the story. We've burned Ziklag with fire. Now, if David is acting irrationally, if David is so upset at this particular time that he's thinking out of his head, he would rise up and he would kill this Egyptian immediately. But he doesn't do that. He thinks about this thing. And he says, okay. He says, you think you can take me to your master? Take me to this company of men? Well, obviously the Egyptians are going to go along with it. He's just brought him back to life. He's just saved his life, basically. He says, if you don't kill me, and you don't turn me over to my master... I'll tell you exactly where they're at. Do you see God in this? Do you see God opening up paths for David again when he encourages himself in the Lord his God? Man, what a book. This is the best book. This is the best book. So the Bible said here, verse 16, And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad. Upon the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. So they're happy. They're partying. They're celebrating. They've taken the spoil. 
And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day, and there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. And David recovered all. And David took, took, took all the flocks and the herds which they drave, therefore those other cattle, and said, This is David's spoil. So the beauty in this is this. It's a lot of beautiful things there. When I first read to you about Ziklag being burned with fire, I read a portion that that tells us that they they weren't killed. God didn't, or, or the uh, the daughters didn't get the sons and the daughters and the wives didn't get killed off. They took them took them hostage. So when God opens up the pathway, when He makes it possible for David and the men through this Egyptian being in the field to come and take the land again, all of them are alive because they hadn't killed anyone. So David gets his wives back, his children back, his sons, his daughters. It's all back to him. All the spoils of war. And God restores everything to him. But when did that start? That started in 1 Samuel chapter 30, Verse number six, when David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Again, sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Sometimes no one else is going to be there to encourage you. But if you can do that, you will watch God's hand begin to open up for you and to work for you. Chapter 30, verse number 21. David came to the 200 men which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David, to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. They wanted to stone him, but now, guess what? Then answered all the wicked men, the men of Belial, of those that went with David, and said, Because they were not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil. We have recovered every man to his wife, and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, You shall not do so. So basically, these men that weren't able to fight, some of the men wanted to hold back and not, not give the... But these men were too weak to fight. David said, You're not going to do them like that. You're going to give them their spoils back. You're going to give them their cattle back, their blessings back. You shall not do so, my brethren. <clears throat> With that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our land. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall depart apart alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. And when David came to Ziklag, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord, to them which were in Bethel, to them which were in South and Ramoth, to them which were in Jater, and to them which were in Aror, to them which were in Simel, to them which were in Ishtamoa, to them which were in Rakal, to them which were in the cities of Jeremelites, and to them which were in the cities of the Kenites. 
to them which were in Horma, to them which were in Chorsharan, to them which were in Atag, and, them, and to them which were in Hebron, to all the places where David himself and his men were wont to hunt, haunt. So he avenges the loss of the city, brings David and the men back. They begin to distribute the spoils back, and they give everything back. Now this will be important. David being good to the Philistines. This is a key. So you watch the events unfold. He's handled himself with integrity with the Philistines. He got down. The Amalekites had invaded, but he encouraged himself in the Lord as God. Great things happen when he encourages himself. He doesn't hold any anger, no bitterness, no selfish motive. He comes back and he redistributes everything that they obtained in war. Now watch the next chapter. We're closing 1 Samuel with this next chapter. All of this unfolds. And in chapter 31, the time has arrived. Chapter 31, the time has arrived that has been building since chapter 15, chapter 16, and 17. And honestly, many years prior. Let's read it together. Now the Philistines, chapter 31. Now the Philistines sought against Israel. Or fought against Israel. So there's that war. David could have been fighting in this war against Israel but God didn't let it happen and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and they fell down slain in Mount Geboa Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons and the Philistines slew Jonathan sad, that's sad I love Jonathan Jonathan was a great friend to David he just died and Abinadab and Melchishua Saul's son and the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. So Saul's been hit. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword, and he fell upon it. Saul's armor-bearer said, Ain't no way I'm killing the king. I kill the king, I'm in trouble. Verse 5, verse six, 4. So Saul fell upon his own sword. Saul took his own life. Saul killed himself. The sad end of Saul. The sad end of great opportunity. The sad end of great potential. The sad end of a man that could have been great. But his heart was wicked. His heart was far off from God. He falls upon his sword. Verse 5, And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword, and he died with him. He didn't want to suffer the ramifications of being there when the king died. So Saul died and his three sons and his armor-bearer, and all the men that came that same day together. And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley, 
And they that were on the other side of Jordan saw that the men of Israel fled and that Saul and his sons were dead. They forsook the cities and fled. The Philistines came and dwelt in them. And it came to pass on the morrow when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they had found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head, stripped off his armor, much like David did with Goliath, sent him into the land of the Philistines, round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth. They fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. This is a shame. This is a shame. This is a man who was the king over the nation of Israel. His body is it the, the, the idol of Ashtaroth. This is a shame unto God. And when the inhabitants unto Jabesh Gilead heard that which the Philistines had done to Saul, and all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, came to Jabesh and burnt them there. They took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. All right. Saul's dead. He died in shame. He died in just a sad state of affairs because of the life he lived. Not because he did any really vile acts of immorality, but because Saul had a wicked heart. Saul was a jealous man. He was a prideful man. He was an egotistical man. He was an arrogant man. And he had a sad end. His children didn't have great fellowship with him because of his character flaws. He was a sad man. But all of this unfolds. The Philistines begin to overtake part of the land again. But guess who's king now? The very next chapter, David will be the king over Judah. Things are about to change in Israel. Things are about to change in Judah. Now the issue is going to be, David will be a man of war. He is a man of war. He is a war hero. And there's a lot that's going to unpack in First Samuel, Second Samuel, and uh, we we will get back to it. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know, sometimes nobody's going to be around to encourage us, to prod us along, to push us. Sometimes when we get to where we need to be, right before that. We've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. Good night. I hope you've enjoyed Bible study. I love each one of you.